Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, wrestling with attitude at its finest. We are into rumble season again. Joining us today, the man, the myth, the legend, Nick Coleman. Hello. Mr. Coleman is back with us today as we are going to be doing a little review on Royal Rumble 2020. Um, only three years ago, relatively recent, pre-pandemic still. Um, yeah. This was a, last... uh, yeah, a really fun one. I'm glad uh, it was Mr. Coleman's suggestion, and I'm glad we went with this one to kind of start the Rumble season. Yeah, I'll, I'll just get this right out of the way. The Royal Rumble match itself, 2020, is my personal favorite Royal Rumble. I'm not going to explain it too much right now because we're going to get into it when we talk about the match, obviously. But it's either some of my favorites are like 2001, 2010, and then this one. But I really, really like this Rumble. I think the whole show, top to bottom, was just very impressive. That was, yeah. And like I said, not jumping ahead of ourselves here. But uh, I guess like at the end of it, I just sat there and thought to myself, that was from top to bottom solid, like very, yeah, very um, solid. Oh. from start to finish. It wasn't personally, I didn't think it stood out as the best rumble event they've ever done. However, mm. um, there was very few flaws. I'll say that it was, uh, yeah. it was booked very well. I think top to bottom event 2001 would be the best. I mean, that had the friggin' that of what Jericho and Ben won the ladder match, Triple H and Kurt Angle, Dudley Boys, Edge and Christian. Like that show itself was stacked, but Rumble match purely 2020 is my personal favorite. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, um, oh, one I think is tough for me to argue against as well. I personally liked 08. Oh, 08 was also very good. That was the, uh, did Edge fight Jeff Hardy at that one, I feel like? Or was that 2009? I think that might have been 2009. But that was a really good show, too. Either or, either one. I just, I, I remember the Rumble match itself uh, very well. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Cena's return, obviously. Uh, uh, Michael Buffer, from, you know, who did a lot of WCW stuff, was the announcer. It, w- it was pretty, pretty good. And, yep. of course, um, uh, Superfly Snooka and Rowdy Piper making uh, yeah. surprise entrances was awesome. <laughs> yeah, very. Uh, but before we get into uh, the 2020 Rumble today, we, we just wanted to touch base because it's kind of hard to ignore at the moment as we're recording here on Friday, the 13th of January. Uh, WWE for sale, apparently, as we're all seeing in uh, the news. Um, what are your thoughts, Mr. Coleman on, we, we kind of had a, what I thought was a very pro wrestling thing to do with fake news on the Saudi Arabia sale. Now, uh, I'm seeing today AEW is interested in buying out WWE. Where do you think this is all going? How much truth do you think was to the Saudi thing? Um, and just all the chaos going on. Yeah, I think it's just insane. It was the span of, like, what, three or four days where Vince comes back, Stephanie resigns her position, and then it came out that that same day that it had been, like, officially sold to the Saudi Arabian government. Very quickly, those rumors were kind of just, like, one guy said, oh, it was confirmed, and then a bunch of people jumped on that. But very quickly, they were like, no, that's not official, but it is apparently being talked about. And in the last couple days, apparently 
Tony and his Tony Khan and his father are interested in looking at the WWE for purchasing. There's obviously NBC and Universal, which are also owned by Peacock, which is what WWE currently airs their uh, pay-per-views or premium live events on. So that could be a thing too. I've heard companies like Disney could be up for it. I've heard that it could be bought out by another wrestling company like AEW. It's really crazy, but whatever happens, I am just praying that it does not go to the Saudi Arabian government. Yeah, and that um, I think that causes way more harm than good, obviously. I, I think the amount I, of fans that would boycott because of that would hurt. I think they would lose employees. I think that the way that they've the, – like the Saudi – the whole way – I'm not going to – we're not going to get into a big political debate, but the way that they run things is obviously very controversial, and wrestlers have refused to go there. So if the whole company is bought out, you got to think that they would probably lose some wrestlers if that deal is finalized. So I agree that it could do a lot more bad than good. It's certainly hard to believe that that would be a good thing for pro wrestling in general in the long haul. Um, yeah. I, to my understanding, the idea for Vince wanting to do that is it would make it so WWE is uh, goes back to being private, which yeah. eliminates shareholders putting him back in control, if you will. Um, yeah. It, it sounded like the shareholders shut it down quickly. <laughs> yeah. So it's more than likely that won't be the end result. Um, but it'll be interesting. I think it's interesting that it's happening this time of year. We're relatively close to the Royal Rumble and going into WrestleMania. This is the wrestling season. I was and, so uh, excited for our first Vinceless WrestleMania. I was I was very excited to see what it was going to look like. And I'm sure it's going to be good still because like a lot of people are getting confused. Vince is back as an executive. Triple H is still running creative. So the on-screen product, at least for now, is not going to change that much. That's, I think most of us would agree, that's a good thing. Yes, absolutely. I would agree. <laughs> um, <laughs> By a lot. Uh, yeah, it, it's interesting, though. I, uh, who knows? I, I, I almost don't want AEW to buy it. I, I think having a monopoly on the wrestling business is not a good thing. Yeah, I, I think competition's very, very good for, for especially for pro wrestling. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. So I, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. And uh, uh, as we do podcasts going forward, we'll keep touching base on it, I'm sure, as the more um, things play out. Yeah, definitely. But rewinding back to a time pre-pandemic, all was well in the world, yada, yada, yada. January 26th of 2020, Minute Maid Park in Houston, Texas. Uh, I really enjoy them doing it at a baseball stadium. How do you? How did you like the feeling of it? Oh, I loved it. I think the just the look of the arena, it looked so much more spread out. There was obviously in one of the matches, which we'll talk about later, the dugout was used, which I think was really cool and innovative. I think the crowd was really into it. And I think just the arena, like overall looking in a baseball stadium like that was, I really enjoyed just the visual. Like when they panned out to see the crowd's reactions, I think it worked really good. I I I know a lot of people have kind of talked about like how they didn't love it, but I like the curve ramp. I think it's a little bit different. And I think it worked for the Rumble, especially. And I really liked that it was done in this baseball stadium. I agree. I, I do like the curve uh, ramp as well. 
I think it works the best for the rumble because it adds to like the running effect and also like a surprise entrant can like come out through there and then come out through the turn again. But either yeah. way, I, I the ramp isn't even the biggest thing. It's just I love the visual of the crowd. I think they looked really good with this really big stadium. It did look great. Um, yeah. I wish they'd do more baseball stadiums. And, and uh, bringing up the ramp one last time, that was almost designed for the ultimate warrior. May you rest in peace. Oh, it really <laughs> was. It really was. Running that whole distance. Yeah. <laughs> he would have done it too. So uh, 42,715 in attendance in the stadium. Absolutely. Fantastic the- crowd. Pretty yeah. much all night, this crowd was just on fire. This was an excellent crowd. Rowdy Texas crowd. Yes. Um, the commentary team, it was a little mixed up throughout the entire card. Uh, Michael Cole and Corey Graves handled SmackDown, where Tom Phillips and Jerry the King Lawler were the Raw announcers. Booker T was added in to uh, the announced team for the men's Rumble match alongside Corey Graves and Michael Cole. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Tom Phillips and uh, Jerry Lawler did the women's rumble. So yes. a little back and forth on the commentary team. And uh, a quick it was little... also, it was right around this time, I believe, that Tom Phillips replaced um, Vic Joseph as the main Raw commentator. Because right when they did the draft, it was the most random thing. I remember it distinctively. The Raw commentary team for like two months was Jerry Lawler, Dio Madden, now mm. known as Mace or Masse. Uh, it was Jerry Lawler, Dio Madden, and Vic Joseph. And it was just the most random combination of announced teams I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but now I think you, I remember that in remembering yeah. it, it, the chemistry wasn't great. <laughs> it really wasn't. None of them played the heel, which I think there's. it's really important to have a heel. I think personally, I know a lot of people like a two-man team. Personally, mm-hmm. I love three. I like a one impartial guy who's like more babyface, but he's more kind of just calling it like play by play. And then I like a heel commentator and a babyface commentator. Like I love the combination of Michael Cole, Corey Graves, and Byron Saxton. I really liked that. And yeah. uh, if you have to do two, there's obviously some iconic ones like Jr. and Paul Heyman, Jr. and uh, the King. I think they both they were both great. I just like I like when commentators have good like they work good with each other. I mean, hey, me and you, come on, you gotta throw yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. A uh, little off topic, but I'm gonna quiz you real quick. Best heel announcer. Best heel announcer. God, it's hard to argue against the king. I think Paul Heyman was also really good, but I think the correct answer is Jesse Ventura. I think he is the best heel commentator. He was oh. so good in the golden era. Sure, sure. I can't believe uh, we're not even bringing up JBL. Oh, I kind of forgot about it. Did we forget about somebody, Mr. Coleman? I kind of forgot about JBL. He's really good, though. He's really, really good. Excellent. JBL's great at everything. He's a great in-ring performer. He's a great character. Well, he's not the best in the ring, but he's a good in-ring performer. He's got a great character. He's a really good heat magnet. He was a good commentator. I am a huge JBL fan. Absolutely. I, I wish he'd do more commentating. I'd like him back in his role now but Absolutely. i wish he would be doing more myself personally yeah definitely a uh, little shout out to the pre-show matches uh sheamus defeated shorty g in the opening pre-show match looking uh, at the results of the show i forgot that the shorty g gimmick existed yeah yeah that happened. <laughs> uh, thank god he rebranded himself a bit 
kind of crazy, but like Alpha Academy, uh, Chad Gable and Otis had become like one of my favorite things on Raw. Like when they did their thing with RK Bro, they were the epitome of great wrestlers and sports entertainers. And he reminded me of a slightly less charismatic Kurt Angle. I love Chad Gable, and Otis was really good in his role too. Shoosh! Shoosh! He's so awesome. And uh, for the United States title, also on the pre-show, Andrade defeated Humberto. Uh, uh, I'm just going to wonder real quick. As I was looking through the show, I looked it up. Humberto Carrillo, er, he is still with WWE, which very much shocked me because I did not know that. I figured he got released. And that feels terrible to say I'm not wishing it upon him. I just forgot that he was still on the active roster. Yeah, some things... um... Yeah, kind of shock you like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, he um, was in a United States title match on this uh, day in 2020 and uh, was unsuccessful. He was. He was. It was a good match. From or I'm sure it was a good, like, I didn't watch the uh, pre-show. I watched the rest of the show, but I just kind of saw the results of the pre-show. And I kind of remember the Umberto Carrillo and Andrade program which went on for quite a while if i remember in 2019 and i think it was good Carrillo's a good in-ring guy he's just man he's got no character he has no character whatsoever oh boy don't i feel that guy's pain (laughs) (laughs) no you're right it's pretty hard to get over in the in the wrestling business without um any charisma but yeah yeah Especially in in our audience, I don't. Definitely. It's hard to see that working for him. But like you mm-hmm. said, great in ring talent for sure. Yep, yep. the The main uh, main card, if you will, if you will, the pay per view starts up Stone Cold Steve Austin little uh, vignette at the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, video montage, which was pretty good. Uh, opening twenty twenty two WrestleMania main eventer Stone Cold Steve Austin. What? What? Uh, Falls Count Anywhere match started the show. And uh, I I think they opened the card out with a doozy. King Baron Corbin uh, one-on-one with Roman Reigns in this one. So I I had forgotten about the never-ending Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin 2020 program. Now, this is, as we uh, remember, this was towards the end of Roman's babyface run. It was. This was his last actual feud before he became the tribal chief because what happened was he did the Corbin thing for 12 years, and then after that, he went into the program with Goldberg for the universal title for Mania, and then he didn't do that show, and when he came back, he became the tribal chief. So this was his last full-length babyface feud. Correct, right, because he disappeared um, uh, right before that mania happened. And, uh, yeah, it was and all that the rest this, of just after that. And during this feud, this was also the last time Roman Reigns was pinned. It was at TLC the month before Baron Corbin pinned Roman Reigns. And to this day, that was the last time Roman Reigns was pinned. Nobody has pinned him since then. I'm glad you brought that up because it's a funny statistic. The last guy, Baron Corbin, to pin Roman Reigns... Yeah, and looking at them both and, today. Oh, Baron Corbin, it, I can't remember the years off the top of my head, but there's been two years out of the last four or five years. He he was the most losing wrestler on the roster. He's he had really more losses good. than anybody else. 
He's a great punching bag, though. Corbin is somebody you don't need to protect, but he also like <laughs> he builds himself. He builds himself like a star, so I feel so like people can beat him. But I feel like losses don't really hurt him. He's always going to be at his position. I don't see him like you know winning a world title or anytime soon. But I feel like he's always a reliable upper mid carder. He, you know, we were talking about JBL a few minutes ago. I think he's the perfect guy on the roster to work with JBL. And he has a similar personality as JBL. I would would argue JBL is a little bit more charismatic, but I think they have similar personalities. Sure, sure. But it kind of makes sense, right? And uh, I'm kind of hoping in due time that helps elevate him a bit and he becomes more of a threat, but you're right. um, He's not one of those guys that a win loss record makes a difference or not. Yeah. Um, But he's a great in ring performer, big guy that can wrestle anybody. And as you saw with the the feud with Roman, uh, it worked at that time a lot of dog food being poured on the on the big dog at the time <laughs> i and forgot weird stuff going on uh, another yeah. funny fact uh coming down the ramp corbin came down hoisted up on a throne being carried by i believe four or five uh men uh, i have i believe this is the only other time that i can remember that they did an entrance like this since king nabel in the mid 90s I believe that I don't know for a fact. I believe when Xavier Woods won King of the Ring, he might have had an entrance like this a couple of times. I don't I feel like he might have. I'm not entirely sure, but I kind of remember him having something like that. Or he did some royalty thing with Kofi, but it was one of it's a really good like presentation when you're like your gimmick is king and like being hoisted up like that. It's a really good visual, especially for somebody like Corbin. I will say, I think out of all the King gimmicks, they've, I, well, I think most notable will be the King Jerry Lawler. Um, but, I mean, others have done it well, too. Booker T was uh, great <laughs> at that, that short spell. Um, oh, King Booker's a legend. But uh, and another rumor, I, I believe they're going to bring back King of the Ring as a pay-per-view next year, if all goes well. Or this oh, year, Oh, I love that. So and I've much. heard uh, the rumors is Triple H wanted it to, wants it to be old school King of the Ring tournament style, where the whole tournament is the pay per view. That would be so good. Some of my favorite pay per views are shows like Survivor Series, Deadly Games, like with the whole tournament in one night. And yeah. Just, I- you can't do that kind of thing too often because it gets old really fast. But if you do it once in a blue moon or even once in a year with King of the Ring, I think it is really special and I love a good tournament. And all in one night, it makes it so cool. And I think King of the Ring just has so much potential. Like that could make a next star. Like people like Brock Lesnar, Stone Cold, Bret Hart, they became who they are because of King of the Ring. Yeah, absolutely. And you and I have talked on this show uh, multiple times before about getting rid of gimmick matches as as pay-per-views right TLC hell in a cell yeah. uh, elimination chamber whatever and do those when needed I still agree with that but I would like to see King King of the Rings really not a gimmick match per se yeah but I, I would... would like to see it be a yearly event and as you say maybe take place on money in the bank a few months after mania and then that that kind of gives you or shows you 
gives a, a talent an opportunity to get a push through the rest of the year, right? You win the tournament, you're getting put over. Oh my God, so-and-so won King of the Ring. Look out, you know, top dogs. Yeah. Uh, and as, as it used to be. I, I'd like to see them go back that way. Definitely. Um, so Baron Corbin makes his uh, over-the-top King entrance. Uh, Roman wasn't screwing around, jumps out of the ring, and starts this match on the floor. It was a uh, it was a very mixed crowd for Roman. This was kind of like he had a really awkward period where he wasn't getting booed as much. But when he came back from his leukemia, they kind of started to cheer him and respect him because they were like, "Oh, we missed you. We're really glad you're back." But then. At this point, they were kind of like, oh, it's still you. And the rumor, I remember heavily at this time that we were all pretty much sure Roman was winning the Rumble. Like, there was really no doubt. And at least for me at this time, I kind of remember thinking, yeah, Roman's winning the Rumble. Like, it's not going to be anybody else. So he's kind of back in that position of, oh, John Cena, Hulk Hogan, like, this is the guy. And I think he was getting a little bit of heat, but I think this crowd was relatively split. Not full booze, but not full cheers either. Yeah, no, you're you're right on that, and and it was like that for a while. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to see him go heel back in like 2015. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was way too long. Maybe, but at the end of the day, maybe there was some brilliance in it. As far as it we gave re- us the tribal chief and the bloodline, so I'm grateful. Right, right. It, it kind of the the end payoff wound up working out well. Now we appreciate what he's doing, but we had to go through many years of going. Oh God, we're getting the same shit. The Hulk Hogan, the John Cena, the this is a guy they're gonna throw down your throat. Yeah. And now more than ever. It worked in the 80s with Hogan, but Cena had a backlash because it's the same thing. Mixed reaction. Women and kids loved Cena. And, you know, the 18 to 35 demographic were, screw you, Cena. So it's, you know, we want that CM Punk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, The beginning of this match started out somewhat uh, of a regular wrestling match. Um, after after uh, there was a little bit of chaos um, outside of the ring, uh, Reigns kind of jumped ahead relatively early. Um, but in uh, a comeback sequence, Corbin hit a deep six early for a near fall. Um, but from there, it got a little bit more chaotic when they left the ring. Yes, quite a bit. So I liked how they they wound up booking this. Um, because we had different steps to uh, how the match went being a false count anywhere. Obviously, it's going outside of the ring for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, they, they wound up brawling into the crowd. They Before they even did that, they did a little teaser um, using the steps in the table, which never uh, came to fruition. Um, but they get into the crowd and work through the crowd, doing doing a good job at that. Um, but once they got out deep into the crowd, Corbin choke slammed Roman through a table, kind of turning the tides for a bit. Yeah. 
And then there was there was the interference. We had the Usos with Roman, and then Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode with uh, King Corbin. That kind of it kind of became like a little bit of a six man tag match, but like not like it, they were just kind of interfering on behalf of Roman. And it was kind of weird because I totally forgot that Roman and the Usos were a thing before the Bloodline, but mm-hmm. they had always kind of been like the, the Usos and Roman have always been kind of intertwined. Just like it was. Um, it was kind of like the Usos and Roman, they were always together. It was just the bloodline is kind of what made them what they are. Yeah, absolutely. It was, they were never together together, but I, I think and nowadays it's, it's, um, it's a known thing. The internet's existed for a while. We all know what's going on with these guys, right? We know they're related. Um, yeah. so I think they just figured to not hide that and use it at that point. But it, yeah. Um, Obviously, better done now, but they were uh, associated at the time. Mm-hmm. I, I did like to, um, they battled into the electric area, like uh, where it looked like maybe the pyro guy worked. <laughs> Which yeah. was kind of cool to see that. Um, Roman at one point hit back to back Samoan drops on Corbin, um, doing a lot of damage there. Uh, and they brawl back through the crowd, which is good. You you get good camera work when they do that. Um, it's a good visual. Um, a porta potty was used. I thought that was interesting. That was a good spot. It was lame that Corbin came out totally clean as a whistle, wimp. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would have been funny if he had uh, crap all over him, but yeah. Uh, I'm sure due to legal reasons, they couldn't do that. Um, yeah, not everybody will take it like Kevin Owens. No, no. <laughs> um, but I, you mentioned, mentioned at the beginning of the show, the, these guys wound up on top of the dugout, which I thought was a great spot. Very cool. Very innovative or innovative, too. I was not expecting them to use the dugout at all, but they did. And it was cool. They did. Um, it, that, again, made for a great visual. Not something you see hardly ever. I don't even know if that's been done before. I don't know. I don't think not, so. not off the top of my head. So I really thought that was a cool spot. At the end of the day, Roman Reigns, Superman punch spear on top of the dugout to pick up the victory. 21 minutes, 20 seconds this went. What did you give this match for a rating? Out of this match, I gave it a three stars out of five. I think it was a fun way to start the show. I don't think it was perfect. I think it got a little bit slow. And I um, I think Roman, like, he was doing better, but he was still not getting the best reactions from the crowd. But right. I, I think that factored in a little bit. But I think it was a fun way to start the show. Not perfect, but I gave it, I gave it three stars. A little bit better than average. Fair. I gave it three and a half, and I think I'm a little ahead of you. Just I think I considered some of the cool spots. Um, with the dugout and the the porta potty and et cetera, et cetera, I uh, I liked how they added that in. It was like you said, a little slow at times, which is fine. They drug out some of the crowd work. That was a good visual, but nothing significant happened through a lot of uh, minutes as they were going around the stadium. But yep. all in all, fair way to start the show. Yeah, yeah, it was a fun way to start the show. So that wraps up. We have a backstage segment involving Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe, and they're discussing the Royal Rumble match coming up later in the in the show. 
the correlation these two guys had was they weren't necessarily best friends, but they had a common enemy in Seth Rollins. Yes, I liked the Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Smojo thing. It got very complicated, like when they had the big show and then AOP and Buddy Murphy. It got a little complicated, but I really liked the program. And I love that Kevin Owens was like, I liked Kevin Owens around this time. I think his gimmick was kind of similar to what it is now, if just like he's a babyface, but like he's here to win and that's his goal. And I liked his, the, this kind of backstage promo was just Kevin Owens saying like, you know, we're friends and stuff, but like, I'm not going to hesitate to throw you out. Like I, I'm going to win the rumble. That's my intention. And I'm not going to let you stop me. Like that's his gimmick, but he's still presented as a baby face and he does it so good. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I liked um, the Monday night Messiah gimmick, honestly, yeah. Um, yeah. probably even better than I like what he's doing right now to be, to be fair. I think the Monday Night Messiah had more base to it. I just think the visionary gimmick and the drip god, I like it. I just think the Monday Night Messiah had more behind it. My favorite Seth gimmick is still the authority to this day. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, that made a, that made that one gimmick made three stars in uh, Rollins, Reigns, and Ambrose. And and all three of them are still huge stars to this day so i think that really worked the whole story was good and the just the kevin owens and the seth rollins and that that story was good and their match at wrestlemania even though it took place in front of nobody was probably my best in-ring match of the night sure thing and uh well like i said i think uh just to touch on rollins super quickly i find it hard to like if they're ever going to put him back in a like main event title picture again, I would want to see him in a more serious role. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you said, the authority version of him. Uh, I like the gimmick and he plays it well now. However, it's, it's to me, it's a mid card gimmick. Yeah. It just, just my opinion. No judgment, Seth. Love you, Seth. Just don't like it. <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. That's understand. It's a wacky gimmick. I like it, it just because I think Seth is such a good like actor. Like he's really good at doing it, and I don't mind it. But I think that if he was ever to get like another rocket push to the top, they would have to make him a little bit more serious. Sure thing. I, yeah. I, uh, and then we cut to Kayla Braxton interviewing Sonia Deville and Mandy Rose. Uh, and this was quite opposite of what we just saw with KO and Samoa Joe, where uh, Sonia claims to Mandy she will eliminate herself for Mandy. Yeah. This was right in the midst of the wonderful Otis Mandy Rose storyline, which we'll get to that a little bit more later. But I love that story and I love Sonia and Sonia Deville is I think one of, if not the most underrated female wrestlers in the world today. She is just a fantastic striker. Her promo ability is good. I think her character is really like dimensional. I think Sonya is just really, really good. And Mandy Rose, we've obviously seen now she's a lot better than she was at this point in her career. She was NXT Women's Champion for, it must have been, it must have been over a year. Yeah, because she held it from, she won it in like Halloween and then she dropped it to Roxanne in like December of the next year. So she had a really good run and she's very talented, but Sonya Deville, I think is just hugely underrated. Financially. I think the firing worked out for Mandy. She has been (laughs) successful with her other endeavors and good for her. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, it's too bad that they lost her, but um, 
she'll pop back up at some point. And, oh, um, definitely, definitely. And also on this day in uh, twenty twenty, uh, Kobe Bryant unfortunately passed away in a helicopter crash, and and yeah. they give a little tribute to him. I was never a Kobe Bryant fan myself, but you never want to hear something happen. And uh, that was mentioned on the broadcast. Yeah, I think it was very tasteful. They didn't like do, like they didn't do anything too crazy. But I think that it, the, their little tribute was very tasteful, and it was just a nice little tribute, and I liked it because it was very, very shocking. Very, I remember distinctively like, going into the show that 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 was really on my mind. And I'm not even a very like a basketball fan that much, but it was a very it was a very shocking moment, and I think they handled it well. They they did. Yeah. Uh, next on the cod, the women's run. Yes. And I hadn't rewatched this since. I don't think I have either. Uh, I was actually quite impressed with, um, the way they book this. So number one and two come out, Alexa bliss, number one and number two at the time from NXT, Bianca Belair. Yeah, it's crazy to see what Bianca Belair has become since this match. She's now one of the biggest stars in women's wrestling, and she's coming up on a year as the Raw Women's Champion. Um, And she's fantastic talent. And this was really the first time that, like, me as a fan of hers was like, okay, yeah, she's the future of women's wrestling. She did fantastic in this match. She really did prove herself in this match. And so Alexa and Belair start this off. And number three... We had a returning mighty Molly Holly. Oh, I popped for this because I forgot that it happened and I was so excited. I forgot she did that gimmick, to be honest with you. <laughs> mighty I, I, it Molly. Was fun. It was a fun thing. So it was pretty cool to see her come out number three. Yep. Uh, nobody eliminated yet. They're still going on in the ring. Number four, Nikki Cross comes out, who was aligned with Alexa Bliss at the time. So I had Bliss also forgotten back. about that. What's that? I had also forgotten about that, too. The yeah. Alexa Bliss-Nikki Cross thing. But they were the tag team champions twice. They were. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Were they the inaugural women's champions? Uh, no, I think it was Sasha and Bailey were the inaugural ones. Then okay. it was the Iconics, and then it was Bliss and Cross. Okay, okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, number five, nobody eliminated yet. Lana comes to the ring and pulls a promo while walking to the ring in heel character. I thought yeah. that was kind of funny. My favorite part was her claiming to be the greatest WW superstar of all time. She just kind of forgot the E there. <laughs> the greatest. <laughs> Oh, it made me laugh because she was like right in the middle of a promo and she goes, I'm the greatest WW superstar of all time. World wrestling. <laughs> yeah, okay. Just, <laughs> just world wrestling. There you go. Oh, uh, so she makes her way to the ring. Number six, Mercedes Martinez joins in to the mix. Kind of I forgot that Mercedes Martinez was in WWE, which is kind of shocking because she was there on and off for like 5 years, but she was she's gone on to do different things. She was the Ring of Honor Women's Champion for a while. She just recently dropped it. And I think she's okay. She's not really anybody I'm going to look out for, but I think she's a decent talent. Yeah. Yeah, um, as, and yeah. they mentioned uh, when she made her way to the ring here, she was a 20-year veteran of the business at that point. Yep. Um, definitely, uh, as as they say behind the scenes, a solid hand, if you will. Yeah. 
Number seven, we see Liv Morgan appear here. And uh, now I'm tr- I was trying to think timeline wise, how long had Liv been on the main roster? It was or was she NXT at this point? I didn't catch if they said um, so. I believe Liv Morgan came up as a member of the Riot Squad with Ruby Riot and Sarah Logan. Okay. And they they came yeah. up at either the very end of 2017, I think it was the end of 2017 because they yeah, did that, they man, did that I weird thing. That. Yeah, they did that weird thing where, like, the Riot Squad debuted, and then, like, weeks later, Paige and Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville showed up, and they were Absolution, and then they were just, they did that weird welcoming committee thing. They were just, like, they had a really weird thing for women's factions. I don't know why, but that was a thing for a while. And then Liv was drafted to SmackDown the year before, and then she had just come back to Raw, where she had her very brief love storyline with Lana, which I had forgotten about until now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, there's so much that happens. It's funny going back and watching these because you forget stuff over the years. Oh, I've forgotten so much already. Yeah, and this is we're reviewing a three year old event, you know. I know. Um, so quickly, Liv eliminates Lana, and uh, Lana fires back and elim- after being eliminated, eliminates Liv Morgan, and they kind of brawl off camera if you will <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good i always like that spot in a rumble you can't do it too much because it kind of kills it but like a face eliminates a heel heel comes back throws them out and then they have a pull apart i think it's a good angle uh but they if they don't overuse it i don't right. know if this feud warranted that quite a bit but you know no. I, I i think you could have um could have done it differently, but like you said, it, it's a good spot to have in your pocket, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number eight was Mandy Rose, who comes to the ring at this time, um, and then followed by Candice LeRae from NXT coming in at number nine. Yes, Candice LeRae is a great talent, too. Yeah, uh, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Molly uh, then was eliminated by Bianca Belair, so she's Molly Holly, only the third person eliminated in this match, mm-hmm. and Belair's first elimination. Yes, uh, which she got many. And a, a really awesome spot happened right after this too. Alexa Bliss throws Mandy out of the ring, <laughs> and Mandy was saved by Otis, who happened to just be laying on the ground. <laughs> Oh, I love this spot so much. This was hilarious. I oh, I loved this spot. And I remember at the time, I got so excited when this spot happened. Like, Mandy Rose fell on the apron. She rolled out. But right under the ring laying was Otis, who caught her and placed her back in the ring. And it was so sweet. Their story was just so awesome. Otis has a weird charisma about him. And this story worked, and I loved it so much. Otis plays that character so well. He really does. Oh, so well. And, and it's funny, like, if any of you listening have ever heard him um, talking out of character, if you will, it's just like to see that and then to see what he does on screen is awesome. The, the guy yeah. doesn't enough credit, I don't believe. Oh, I don't think so either. Number 10, uh, third of the way through the, the women's match, uh, Sonia Deville is next in line uh randomly i had in my notes for this card uh i couldn't get over it now at this point we all know otis is there and he's just gyrating 
outside of the ring, which was great. (laughs) (laughs) He was. Oh, he was so good in this match. He was so good in everything. I love Otis so much. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we got seven women in the ring at this time. Uh, Martinez was eliminated by Fire and Desire, Mandy and uh, Sonia. Yep. Uh, number 11, Kyrie Zane. Current uh, IWDP women's champion, Kyrie Zane. One of the, another one of the really, one of the most underrated women's wrestlers I've seen recently. I'm glad she's currently doing really good work in New Japan and stardom. And I'm not even a huge New Japan fan, but I am so excited for her to fight face Mercedes Monet, also known as Sasha Banks. That match is going to be so good. That's crazy to think Sasha Banks is over there now, isn't it? I know it is crazy. I can't believe Sasha wasn't on this card either. She must have been hurt because I remember her and Bailey were a very big thing at this time. Yes, uh, I, I, yeah, I, now I wish I had that detail, but you're probably right. I, there's got to be a reason why she wasn't on the card. Yeah, number 12 was Mia Yim, uh, from NXT at the time, and this was, I believe, her first stint in the company. I believe so, yeah. Yep. Um, and going on in the ring, Bianca Belair uh, used Alexa Bliss to eliminate Nikki Cross. I loved that spot, too. Yep. And um, Sonia inadvertently hit Mandy. And again, Mandy was saved by Otis, ironically. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bianca Belair hit Sonia Deville, who fell on to Mandy, eliminating both. How ironic. Oh, very sad. Otis tried his best. He really did. And, you know, he get, he gives it his best. God love him. He really did. Uh, Dana Brooke enters number 13. Uh, Bianca Belair now eliminated Candice LeRae for number five for Belair. Uh, Alexa Bliss eliminates Kyrie Zane. So uh, we're starting to see people come and go more at this point in in the match tamina entered number 14 i also can't i forgot that tamina was like around during this time because there was a very there was a period where she just wasn't around at all and then she kind of came back and she was a very lower mid carder didn't really do much and now i don't even remember the last time she was on tv because her main thing was that really really weird akira tozawa angle where they feuded and then fell in love for the 24 7 title i can't remember it was like last summer and um i haven't seen her since and i no disrespect to her but i don't really care to see her i don't think she's the best wrestler they have on the roster but she's okay she's a good powerhouse i think a good hand if you will yeah yeah I'm going to keep using that. Yeah, that's, there's a lot of wrestlers that I would describe as just that. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so Tamina and Belair kind of face off. It was, uh, I, it kind of looked at the visual was two brutes standing toe to toe, you know, the, the, uh, the famous Hogan and Warrior stare down, if you will. Uh, and then Belair quickly eliminates Tamina after the stare down. Uh, the halfway point, we see Dakota Kai enter, and at the halfway point, we had Dakota Kai, Alexa Bliss, Mia Yim, Bianca Belair, Dana Brooke uh, left in the ring, and before the next entrance, Alexa Bliss eliminates Mia Yim. 
Alexa Bliss. She did that. I was kind of upset that Mia Yim didn't do a little bit more because I am personally a fan of hers. Um, but I understand why you can't have everybody. And Alexa Bliss looked really good in this match too. And I just I think Mia Yim's good. She's just not like excellent. No, and and uh, I think she has a lot of potential. I agree. Yeah, um, we just haven't seen the superstardom come out in her yet. And whether she adapts to the WWE system a little better in the future is we'll yet to tell, right? But um, yeah, but wasn't her night on this this particular event in 2020? Twas uh, not. Chelsea Green uh, was next as she uh, was walked to the ring by Robert Stone. Mrs. Cardona, I forgot her and Robert Stone were a thing, honestly. You and I both. <laughs> I for, honestly, if we're being completely honest, I forgot that Robert Stone existed. Oh, some, <laughs> some things just don't stick with you, and there's a reason for it. Um, <laughs> Robert and, Stone, the Robert Stone brand was okay during NXT, but that was kind of their first little, that was one of their first signs that NXT was moving more towards sports entertainment rather than professional wrestling and I didn't I don't like Robert Stone I'll be honest and Chelsea Green she's okay I really just look at her as oh you're Matt Cardona's wife that's really all I can think of because oh. she's not she's not very impressive in the ring she's not terrible she's just not great um but I've heard a rumors good hand. That, a yeah good hand. <laughs> yes another good hand I've heard rumors that uh, Chelsea and her wife Matt are apparently, or oh, for those of you who don't know, Matt Cardona is Zack Ryder. They could apparently both be coming back to WWE, which I'd like to see because Cardona's been doing some excellent work on the Indies recently. Yeah, no, he's actually. I think it might be fair to say he's had more success in the indie scene than he did in the WWE. I'd say quite confidently, yeah, because he was more mainstream in the WWE, but he has won sure. so many world titles. He was the NWA world champion, which, you know, now that Tyrus is holding that title, it doesn't mean quite as much. But, you know, Matt Cardona was good, too, and that was, that's a legendary title. And Cardona's great, and I'd love to see him back in WWE with, with new people and creative. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, like the Zack Ryder gimmick, it, it's not that it didn't get over because it, it kind of did there for a minute, but it was a hard character to take seriously. And he has proven that he can go above and beyond. Woo woo. So yeah, yeah. I'd love to see him back. I'd love to see him in a more serious spot and I'd love to see him get a solid push. If you will. Definitely. Definitely. Um, uh, anyways, Chelsea green's run in this match did not, last long she was quickly eliminated by dakota kai and then mm -hmm. right after this alexa bliss do i have my notes wrong here i have chelsea green being eliminated twice oh i i think you might <laughs> chelsea green was chelsea green was eliminated by alexa bliss she was only in the ring for according to wikipedia i have in my notes that she was eliminated by alexa bliss and according to wikipedia she was in the ring for 12 seconds uh okay no chelsea green eliminated to go to kai and then was eliminated by alexa i'm there you I, go floppy that... handwriting my apologies to the <laughs> that's all right that's all right when it gets to this point of the match too like you kind of you forget who eliminates who when when you you're really into the the thick of it right in the dead middle too yeah um bianca belair eliminated dana brooke for elimination number seven and uh yeah. Uh, 
Belair then eliminates Alexa Bliss for number eight. Number eight by five. I think I remember at this point, I think still to this day, this was the record for women's eliminations in one match. And she said it quite comfortably because I believe before this, it was like four. So she doubled it and she had she just had such a good run in this match. I was really impressed with her. To be fair, this was only the third women's Royal Rumble match. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it, w- it was an impressive performance for sure. Uh, number 17, the heat turns up a little bit. Your favorite wrestler. Mr. Coleman, Charlotte Flair. God, kill and me. And at this oh, point, with her. three years ago, she was already a 10-time champ. Woo! Oh, yeah, here we are today. She's in her, what, I think 14th championship reign? Oh, God, Triple H. I was hoping, I was hoping under new creative we might get something different. But, oh, no, three things in life are inevitable. Death, taxes, and Charlotte Flair as women's champion. I'm going to use that line at some point in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Naomi uh, was entrant number 18. It was good to see Naomi. Um, I've always liked her. Afro. The the glow thing. I'm not the biggest fan of gimmicks like that like over some sometimes anyways i'll say that but she was um very good with the whole glow gimmick uh number 19 beth phoenix enters the mix another highly impressive rumble performance that i was not expecting for mrs edge right here beth phoenix was great in this match mrs edge once eliminated the great Kali in a men's royal rumble match that she did she was only i believe i can't remember if it was her or uh awesome kong first but it or karma when she was in wwe but she was i believe the second or third to enter women's rumble because china was the first in 99 um but i can't remember was it her or karma first uh who entered because i think beth was in 2010 and i think karma was the year after so i think beth was only at the time the second woman to ever enter a rumble yeah, I think you're right because Karma eliminated uh, heel Michael Cole, if I remember correctly. Oh God, yes, you're right. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. Number 20, Tony Storm at this time coming in from NXT UK. Yes. Tony Storm's also great. She just had a very, very good reign with the interim. Well, technically with the... AEW Women's Championship, but it was the interim. It was the interim title when she had it, but apparently now they're counting it as an actual title reign. It's all very confusing, but she's doing good. Moral of the story: she's doing good work in AEW now. Sure is. I I think she's a a, a talent that they misused, if you will. The WWE. Yeah, I would. Definitely. Even in NXT, she won the UK women's title, but when she came to black and gold NXT, she really didn't do that much. And her call up was just so highly disappointing. She, I believe lost to Zelina Vega in one of, or one of her, one of her first few matches. And it was really frustrating because she's a fantastic talent. Um, But I'm glad that she's, I'm glad that she's one of the main AEW women's division wrestlers because she's very, very talented. For sure. Um, I think AEW won that signing. I think they got a yeah. hell talent out of her. Yeah. And uh, not much longer after Tony Storm makes her entrance, Charlotte Flair eliminates Bianca Belair. How do you like me now? 
Oh, man, this pissed me off because I forgot it happened. When she did that, I got heated like I was watching this live. And the second she did it, I was like, oh, I remember that. I hated it three years ago, too. Uh, Bianca was just so good in this match. And I feel like Charlotte went into this match as a face. And then that was kind of like her heel turn in in a way because the crowd was never going to cheer her anyway for her what she would eventually go on to do later but um she eliminated bianca and bianca was more than impressive in this match yeah absolutely um it was uh, now bianca didn't make it to the end obviously but i think what they did with her impressive performance was enough to put her over for the future or what yeah. we've seen uh, since then, right? Uh, now, yeah. I got to ask you, really, what is your beef with Miss Charlotte Flair? I don't have beef with her, per se. Oh, I you think got beef, the... bro. Well, I got <laughs> I got beef with her just li- doing nothing but winning and winning and winning. and Like, she's good. She's a very good performer. I don't think she's good on the mic, but I think she's really good in the ring. I just find her character really bland. I don't think she's good on the mic at all i don't i think her character as the queen was like got old like two years ago and i think that they should change it up a little bit i think face or heel i've just never been a huge fan and it's just man it's just the constant pushes in the women's title like there's other people on the roster i think it's not anything against charlotte flair it's i think how they've booked her i'm just not the biggest fan i i can see where you're coming from i will say this so you kind of I mean, we can say that about a lot of people, though, right? I mean, you can say that about face Roman Reigns, right? Uh, yeah, and I, I think a lot of people did say that about face Roman Reigns. You know, I, I just, but you kind of need somebody for that spot. But I don't, it'd be hard to completely change her now, like face or yeah. face. I, I find like it's going to be hard to tweak her character i i doubt at this point the promo skills are going to get much better i i could be wrong on that but um at the end of the day i do think athletically and her in-ring chemistry with a lot of people is phenomenal yeah that's, yeah that's, right. that's where i come from on her but her matches with sasha banks i think are on par for the women's austin and rock her and sasha never had a bad match no, the Hell in a Cell match was absolutely phenomenal and plenty on Monday Night Raw for the title. Yeah, which Sasha always won, leading to Charlotte winning it back at the next pay-per-view. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go figure, right? Every time. Number 21, uh, Kelly Kelly making a surprise appearance. What, do, what are your thoughts on Kelly Kelly? I have no thoughts on Kelly Kelly. She's fine. She's like, I mean, I'll take, she's a reliable hand. I, she's fine, I guess. She's just not anything to me, really. I wasn't watching when she was there the first time, and I don't really have any thought. Like, when she, if she were to come back this rumble, I would be like, oh, that's okay, cool. Like, I'd react to it, but I don't think I'd, like, jump out of my seat as if, like, if Punk were to come out. But she's okay. I don't mind her. A good hand. Yes, a good so, hand. <laughs> we had a, a spot where uh, Beth Phoenix nearly eliminated Charlotte, but couldn't quite get the job done. And the bell sounds for number 22, Sarah Logan. What are your thoughts on Sarah Logan? 
Sarah Logan's okay. I think that her current role as the manager of the Viking Raiders as Valhalla or whatever her name is, I think that's a good role for her. In ring, she's just not anything to me. I think even when she was in the Raya squad, she was by far the weakest one. And I think she's fine. I'm just not a huge fan. I do like her current managerial role, though. Okay, so lower to mid-card hand. Yeah, yeah. Um. And now Charlotte kind of tees off, if you will. She, uh, Charlotte Flair eliminates uh, Sarah Logan. She eliminates Kelly Kelly. Uh, now left in the ring with Charlotte, Naomi, Beth, and Tony Storm. Yes. Number 23, Natalia. <laughs> A friend of mine once said, and this was five or six years ago, mm-hmm. uh, He's not a huge wrestling fan. I was roommates with him at the time, and so he'd see me watching it or whatever. And uh, but he knew, you know, enough, right? And uh, yep. he he would always say to me, even back then, he goes, "Natalia, God, hasn't she been around forever?" <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel that way about Natalia, though. Like the and the weird thing is, she really hasn't. She debuted in like what I think it was oh eight or oh seven. It was yeah. But it just feels like she's always been there. Like when I go back, if I were ever to go back and like watch Over the Edge 99, I have expect her to see, I have expect to see her fighting Deborah for the women's title. Like I just, <laughs> I, I just feel like she's always been there. And you know, that's just, true. But in reality, she was probably a teenager at that time. Um, yeah. She but, just, I feel like she's always there and she never does anything. Like, she's won the Divas title. She won the SmackDown Women's title for five seconds in 2017. Like, she's not terrible. She's a decent technical wrestler, but oh, she's just blander than white rice to me. I, I, Natalia doesn't do it for me. Blander than white rice, aka a solid hand. <laughs> yeah, she's a <laughs> solid hand. One thing I picked out, I did. You know what I don't like is the what? cat ears. I don't like the cat ears. I don't know where they came from, but that's just so random. Like yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, no, I just wasn't. No, just not not feeling it. I'm just. What am I gonna? I don't know. Walk around with earmuffs in the middle of summer? Come on now. Let's. <laughs> yeah, just, and they were right in Texas. Like, yeah, <laughs> why? Just why? Yeah, uh, Beth and Natalia kind of teamed up here uh they double power bombed charlotte which was a kind of fun spot and charlotte took a bit of a beating number 24 was exia lee from nxt also forgot she was still an active roster member solid hand number 25 zelina vega i actually kind of like selena vega solid hand but um i don't mind selena vega as a manager like as if she's managing andrade or as she's right now managing legato del fantasma she's okay as a manager in rainbow doesn't do it for me i don't think i just i feel like she's a little bit sloppy and she's not she's not the most trained wrestler i've ever seen she's a really good manager though i think she's good yeah she's good in a managerial role Exactly. Good personality. Um, yeah. Probably yeah. not ever going to be super over as a performer, but I think a <laughs> good hand on the <laughs> roster. Good hand. To throw with somebody that doesn't have uh, the charisma. Yeah. Yeah. So, that... uh, number 26 was Shotzi Blackheart. So we see Shotzi even back then. I kind of forget about that as well. Um, that leaves us with seven women in the ring. Uh, Naomi, who's at this point, not eliminated, but outside of the ring, 
and makes a what we would refer to nowadays as a Kofi Kingston move where yep. he was able to um, she was caught on the barricade and made her way over to the announce table, taking the top of the announce table off to bridge back over to the ring. It was a very good spot. I was impressed by it. I always like a good Kofi spot in a rumble. I don't know personally if they should do it more. Like if they're going to do it, they should do it like once per rumble. And I think I was it. I can't remember if it was this. I don't think it was this one. I think it was the year before where they did like it was Naomi. Casey Catanzaro and somebody else, they all did one, and I think that's overkill. But when they do like want a match with if it's Kofi or Naomi, whatever, I always am a good I'm a sucker for a good Kofi spot. Do it like they do it on the Discovery Channel. You might be too young for that line. Do you remember that? I, I'm a little bit too young for that one, I think. Okay. All right. I am old as dirt. So <laughs> lucky number twenty-seven position goes to Carmella. Um I really like Carmella. I I would say I like Carmella. I don't. I'm think... not putting her in my top tier, but I I do enjoy what she does. I like her. I think she's obviously put a lot of good work into her character. Um, probably not the best in ring performer, but I have nothing bad to say about her either. Yeah, I think she's good. I think on the mic she's okay. If it's like if it's a little bit of a shorter promo, I think she's a good heat magnet. I think in the ring she's just so much improved since she first started. And sure. I think I think her character of like, I don't know, like not her not her Mela is money gimmick, but whatever her gimmick is now, I don't know what to call it. But like it's okay. I think it works for her. And I do I liked I liked what she did with Zelina winning the tag titles. I think that was a good spot for her. But I don't really, I don't think, I don't view her as somebody who, like, should be holding a women's title or, like, carrying a division. Like, maybe an NXT or maybe a little bit, or a little while down the road. I just don't see her as hugely top tier, but I think she's a good, uh, (laughs) she's a reliable hand. Absolutely. Yeah. So, number 28 was Tegan Knox out of NXT. Uh, at this point, Beth Phoenix is dominating everybody in the ring. Number 29 was my favorite entry of the entire, maybe the entire show. I think this was the greatest entry in Royal Rumble history. Arguably, because we had Santina Morella, not Santino, not Santino, <laughs> Santino Morella. My favorite part was her, was him coming out to Rico's theme song. <laughs> It was like, what the hell? Why? Oh, it was so good, though. I loved this so much. That guy is awesome. I wish he was still on the roster. I mean, I get at this point. I think he's still a producer. I could be wrong, but I think he still works as a producer. One of the best uh, um, comedy gimmicks um, in recent memory. (laughs) Oh, he's so good. I love Santino. And then this was obviously his long lost sister from Italy, Santina Morella, which for those of you who don't know, uh, on Rus- uh, leading up to WrestleMania 25, Santino Morella was upset that he couldn't get on the card. So he decided to dress up as a woman and enter the Miss WrestleMania Battle Royal as Santina Morella, which he would then go on to win. 
And he entered a very brief feud with now former president Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) And then Santina Morella was never seen again after she got squashed by Beth Phoenix until now where she entered the Royal Rumble and she had a face off with Beth and Natalia. They did the Divas of Doom thing. And then Santina got scared. So he, she, whatever, put on their cobra mask their cobra and hit herself with it and santino was eliminated and i loved this spot so much yeah um this classic comedy uh, i loved it <laughs> i love this so because it was really unexpected too very unexpected especially for the number 29 spot <laughs> yeah, i know should have been 30 number 30 was Shayna baszler when this happened, when Shayna came out, I thought, yeah, that's it. Like, she's winning. That There's no debate here. I think yeah, I think a lot of people thought that, too, uh, especially with this early push of her. She came, comes out and attacks Charlotte early. Um, she, Baszler then eliminates Xia Lee, uh, Tegan Knox, Zelina Vega, Shotzi, um, just going uh, ape shit, if you will. Yeah, overall, um, she got... Uh, by the end of it, she had had eight eliminations, so she tied Bianca Belair, which means between the two of them, they eliminated over half the participants, which is very impressive because they were both from NXT at the time. So I think that was cool that they both got to shine like that. Yeah, absolutely. And add uh, Carmella and Tony Storm to the list. At leaving the final five left in the match, Shayna Baszler, Naomi, Charlotte Flair, Beth Phoenix, and Natalia. Baszler eliminated Naomi. Natty and Beth double teamed Baszler, and then Beth uh, basically turns and eliminates Natalia. Yeah, Beth uh, was Beth was really impressive, and this was a cool spot because in the first Rumble, I believe Natalia did the same thing to Beth. So that was some nice that was some nice callback right there. Uh, yeah. And I think Beth was on the NXT commentary at this time. I think. I could be wrong. I can't remember when she started, but she. I think she was. She did really good in this match. It probably lined up right about then. Yeah. Uh, and then Baszler then eliminates Beth. But the end results, Nick Coleman's favorite, Charlotte Flair eliminates Shayna oh. Baszler. Oh, my God. the 20 20- I- I don't think you comprehend how mad I was at the time when this happened. I was so mad when Charlotte last eliminated Shayna Baszler. Because when Shayna came out, I was like, yep, she's going to win the Rumble, squash Becky at Mania, she's going to win the belt. And then Charlotte just comes in, Charlotte wins. And when Charlotte won, I was like, oh my god, it's going to be Becky and Charlotte at WrestleMania again. Thankfully, Thankfully, that wasn't the case, but man, I I was <laughs> I was heated. I was heated when Charlotte won this Rumble. There was a quick promo with Charlotte in the ring after the match, and then cutting backstage, Kayla Braxton interviews uh, King Corbin. Uh, Corbin makes his claim for the Rumble match, and uh, even referred to in this promo as Roman Reigns and the Usos as the Bloodline. Yes, yeah. I don't know works... when they first brought up the word bloodline, but that was yeah, I was... Didn't remember I was... them calling them that back then. I... Well, it was just 
bring that up. I was for my own like TikTok video the other day. I or not the other day, a couple months ago. I was watching Extreme Rules and the Usos were fighting Gallows and Anderson, and the Usos both had uh, t uh, shorts on that said Bloodline on it, and it was uh, uh, the Usos faces and Roman. And then in the main event, it was AJ Styles who was leading Gallows and Anderson at the time against Roman Reigns. So apparently, Bloodline has been a thing for a while. I just guess they never made a big thing of it until Jimmy came back last year and the Bloodline became an actual faction name. Jimmy cracked corn and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so next on the card, SmackDown Women's Championship, champion Bailey facing off, off against Lacey Evans. This was a uh, this was a piss break match. This was not this was not really anything to me. A popcorn or a cool down match. Cool down match, whatever you want to call it. This was just it was not bad. I'm not gonna say that it was a bad match, but I'm not gonna say it was a good match either. It was fine. I thought it was very slow. The crowd was very dead after just watching a full rumble and the Roman and Corbin match. I think it was really just here to make sure the crowd was still good for the Becky versus Oscar and Fiend versus Daniel match, and of course the Rumble match. So I think it was fine. I guess um, Lacey Evans has never really been hugely compelling to me. I love Bailey, but I don't think that she's the best in-ring worker ever and Lacey Evans isn't probably the ring general to take her to a five star I think it was fine just not anything to go out of your way to see no I love Bailey uh she's she's my babe by the way she's my yeah I love Bailey so much fake girlfriend in my mind I just love (laughs) Bailey yeah I do not like the haircut she rocked though during this time period it looked like Lego man hair you know what I mean by Lego man hair oh yeah quite the Karen haircut (laughs) she had right around here I wasn't a fan of that, but uh, so, I mean, Bailey kind of was in control most of the first half of the match. This last, this was a little under 10 minutes, um, which again, it, you, you take your leak, you get your beer, you come back and, you know, you get ready for the universal title coming up next. Lacey Evans makes kind of a comeback, but at the end of the day, Bailey rolls her up, pulls the tights, he'll finish moving on. So yeah. uh, the universal title match, Champion. Do we want to do we want to rate that match the Bailey Lacey Evans one? No, they're okay. just good good hand. So, yeah. <laughs> do you want to throw out your rating? I, I gave it one and a half. I think that's fine. Fair enough. Yep. Um, universal title on the line in a strap match, thirteen uh, foot strap apparently. I, I didn't know how long the straps were, or if that's a consistent measurement. This is pro wrestling, by the way. I don't. Know yeah, you they, can kayfabe it if you need to. You can't. They could say thirteen feet, and it's clearly twenty-five. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, Bray the Fiend Wyatt takes on Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, Danny Bryan, whatever we want to call him, Daniel Bryan at the time, right? Yep. Uh, Bray Wyatt makes his way to the ring with a very weird championship belt. You remember this? The Fiend belt? Did you like this? No, I think the Fiend belt was just... I think the Fiend belt was an accessory, not a top belt that people should be fighting over. Like, I understand it went with his whole character of, like, I'm going to take over WWE. But, like, it it was just his face. It was just his face. And then the strap was really weird looking. I was not a fan personally, but I understand why they did it. 
and having the fiend who's like taking over the company walk around with a giant strap with the WWE logo on it might have been a little bit character not good wise for Bray. Um, but I understand why they did it and I think it was fine. But um the Daniel Bryan feud was just excellent, I remember. I really, really liked it. Yeah, no for sure. And to touch on the belt, it kind of it kind of looked like a belt I made out of cardboard when I was eight years old. It really did though. <laughs> it looks like he just like drew a picture of his face and then he it looks like like I could have made that belt in like if I'm playing like my WWE two K twenty, like I just put the face and I can design the strap and then I'm good. Like that it was real it was a really, really weird belt. Yeah. Yeah, so uh strap matches are always interesting. I I am not a fan of like dog collar or strap matches personally, just because I think they can get really clunky. I think people yeah. they have to stop and like untangle it sometimes, and I think that people can stop. And I think that the whipping is a cool spot until it's overdone, which happens pretty quickly. Yeah. Um. I I don't think that they're bad. There's been good ones like this was very good, and uh, CM Punk and MJF from earlier this year, well, I guess last year was very very good too. I think there's been good like Cody Rhodes and Brody Lee too. Like there's been good ones. I just think objectively, I'm not a fan of the concept. Yeah, I'm glad they're not done super super often. This was yeah kind of cool on this card. Gives you a little gimmick match right in the middle of the show. Yeah, which I'm fine with. Uh, the and I think this. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, sorry. Uh, I just, I was just gonna say personally, I was a really big fan of this match. I was a fan of the structure of the fiend just like dominating and Daniel Bryan like doing his best to fight back and win. And I think the fiend looked really, really strong in this match, which was awesome. And I think Daniel Bryan looked really, really good. Like the fiend looked strong, but at the same time, Daniel Bryan still looked like a star who was gonna do anything he could to get the win. The feud was really good. I really, really liked this match. I thought it was good. I thought it was good technical, physical, high flying. I think it really. It had a little bit of everything, and I loved it. Yeah, no, they actually did very well with what they had, right, for for yeah. the gimmick that they were using. And uh, you kind of just broke down uh, how this match went, though, right? Uh, the Fiend yeah. dominated early, lots of whips early. Brian resurged and does what he does. Uh, he got the LaBelle lock in at one point and the closing moments with the strap. Uh, hits a running knee for a near fall. But as we know, the Fiend was very difficult to put away at this time. And yeah, A lot of people, I think, you know who doesn't get enough love for his near falls is Bray Wyatt. He is such a good near fall. He is like his kickouts are he can just like throw his arm up or even a full body kick out he does them so good i think he is like kick kicking out is a really underrated thing that needs to be important in pro wrestling and the fiend is re- bray wyatt whatever is really good at them yeah the little details right um yeah. one thing i used to love mick foley did even when mick would uh get the three count counted on him he would kind of twitch one leg like a friendly like i'm not giving up yeah. Which was a cool little detail that he added, and it's a very rare thing to, to see. Um, at the end of the day, the fiend hits the mandible claw, or not hits the mandible claw, locks in the mandible claw, uh, and Daniel Bryan's shoulders are down, and he's out, and uh, no title change here. Yeah, fiend retains. I think that was the right call at the time, because, well... 
I was hoping that would mean The Fiend was going into WrestleMania as the Universal Champion, I assumed at the time to be slayed by Roman, but Goldberg popped a SmackDown rating, so... <laughs> boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> booking at its finest. Yeah. <laughs> the lights go out, uh, Wyatt disappears, and Daniel Bryan comes back to limping out... Uh, uh, to an ovation. Yeah. A disappointing loss on his behalf. Raw Women's Championship. Uh, champion Becky Lynch, the man, uh, versus Asuka, who was the current tag champion at the time with Kyrie Zane. Kabuki Warriors. I forgot their tag team name until it was brought up in this. Kabuki Warriors. Uh, speaking of Kabuki, you ever had kombucha or whatever that stuff's called? I don't think I have. Yeah, it's gross. Never try it. Now, if, if I offend okay. anybody, Kambuka, I'm sorry, but it tastes like vinegar to me. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, Asuka was uh, nursing an arm injury in this match, and Becky cl- uh, clearly targeted it early. Um, and there was some good selling going on by Asuka on this injury. Um uh, Obviously, as the match goes on, Asuka makes a comeback, but she had a green mist misfire, which I thought was kind of an interesting spot. It came back in her face. I think it worked. It just worked really good. I think that very easily could have been a botched spot, but I think that the way they did it, the way they both sold, I think it was really good. And the green mist was a really, really cool gimmick of Asuka's. I know, obviously, it didn't originate with her, but I think she did really good with it. Yeah, no, when I think of Green Mist, I always think of Tajiri. I just, yeah, hope. yeah. I mean, it's pretty well known that he started it, but I think Asuka did shit. Her, it really goes with her awesome, like, psycho killer gimmick of I'm going to do whatever I can to beat you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fit her pretty well. Um, so after that bit, uh, little misfire on her behalf, Becky wins with the disarm her. Yes, this was, it was a good little match. I, don't I didn't love it. I thought it was okay. I think they're two of the best or at the time, and I think honestly still to this day, they're two of the best women's wrestlers in the world. I didn't dislike it. I didn't love it. Uh, I think I liked it, though. I think it was a good little thing to not cool the crowd down, but like not have them freaking out before the main event and in between the Universal title match and, that, and the Rumble. I think it was good. I'd give it like a probably two or two and a half out of five. Like, I think it was right in the middle. Yeah, no, it was... Um... It, the way the they performed the match, the kind of the story and the way it was booked, etc. It was almost like it belonged on, the, like as a main event for Monday Night Raw. Yeah, uh, but like you said, it was an entertaining match right before the the men's Rumble comes on. But it wasn't going to put you to sleep either. It was just kind of that. It's there. It's solid. Keeps you entertained. Okay, let's keep trucking to. Um, what everybody's really here for and that's no offense to either women but yeah you know they they're going to be followed by the men's royal rumble match and i i know i speak for a lot of people when i say this that's my favorite match of the year right so oh by far by yeah. far so getting into that men's royal rumble 2020 so starting numero uno was barack Lesnar. Yeah, I got to so, do it. <laughs> Brock Lesnar was apparently in storyline, and I, I do remember this. He was he was bored and 
just wanted to start number one and eliminate everybody, which I thought was kind of cool, to be honest. The story behind it was kind of just like Brock randomly coming out. And he's like, well, I beat literally anybody, everybody. So I guess I'm just going to enter the Rumble. I'll win that too. And then I'll win the Universal title. Because like his gimmick was just at this time, his gimmick was really just like, I'm like, this was the end of the beast Brock Lesnar until we, because after this, after WrestleMania, he was gone until he came back as Farmer Brock in 2021. So this was like his, similar to Roman, this was his last, uh, well, just like opposite way. This was his last like heel. This was his last run as the top heel, like the Beast Brock. So right. this was kind of his last run. He was right in the midst of his part time. Like, I don't really care. I'm just, I'm just ready to prove that I'm the best. And I already have the belt, so I might as well go win the Rumble. And I think him entering at number one at the time was like really confusing. And like, what are they going to do? Are they just going to have him win from one? But I think the way they booked Brock and everything about him in this match was just exceptional yeah sure thing um like uh like we were talking this was kind of the end of an era uh, as far as that character of brock goes uh getting towards the end of him and Heyman, um and all that they were doing from well basically from 2012 till then right yeah uh so lesnar comes out elias winds up being number two and he cuts a promo on his way to the ring uh a little start of a song called sacrificial lamb uh he didn't get very far uh brock no. wasn't about this brock was business brock this was a really this was a really good one and two though because elias's gimmick at the time was just kind of like he wasn't in a feud so he was just singing songs about whatever was happening and for like a month he was just singing every smackdown about how brock was a lazy part-timer and he was gonna win the rumble so i think it was really good storytelling to have him come out and just get killed by brock here I loved Elias at this time. He did a lot of good stuff with Cena. Um, I I love Elias any day of the week. I am a huge fan of the older brother of Ezekiel. (laughs) Or Elrod. Elrod. Oh, God. Um, I actually, one of my favorite spots um, that he did, he was doing a song the night after WrestleMania 35, which was nearly a year before this and the ending line was the next person that interrupts me is a dead man and the next person interrupt him was the undertaker which i thought was hilarious and well done (laughs) it was awesome it was a really well done spot i remember that distinctively because i wasn't watching raw every week at the time but i remember seeing that it happened the next day and i watched the whole segment and elias is selling everything he is just i mean oh i love elias so so much i would love to see him like he's not a guy i expect to be the one to beat roman reigns but like put the u.s title or something on him he is just so good he's too good to be doing nothing yeah no absolutely um i i 100 agree with that and i do walk with elias i i, I absolutely walk with elias and ezekiel and elrod hell yeah the yes the trio so lesnar wasn't screwing around he goes and grabs elias comes in suplex city uses elias's guitar eliminates elias for elimination number one Yes, as Paul Heyman would lovely point out right outside of the ring. He was counting every time Brock got an elimination. Yes. Yes. Number three, Eric Rowan, Big Redbeard, comes out. 
Oh yeah, right with his um with his cage with the spooky spider. What the hell? I can't even remember. It was like that weird thing. There was like a six month period where like Eric Rowan just carried around a cage, and then like on a random RAW in a backstage segment, they revealed that it was this horribly fake plastic spider, and it yeah. was so weird. Oh, this gimmick was t- so weird. Yeah, not good. It was like a like a little cat carrier. <laughs> yes, it was. It, yeah, it was like a weird cat carrier with a cloth over it, and like he was every week when he would fight jobbers, he would throw their face in it, and their face would come out all bloody. And then in a random episode of Raw in a backstage segment, he just brought it out, and it was this horribly fake looking spider. I just oh, it was so weird. It was so weird. They, they should have never revealed it. No, they yeah, should have just let it be like a mystery, you know. They should have let it be like who threw the pie at Kevin Owens. Like we just never find out. One of wrestling's greatest they throw the pie at Kevin Owens. I think it was Vince, right? That's how they. That's who they said it was eventually. Oh, oh really? <laughs> I think I don't know. I feel like I remember hearing that it was Vince. That makes total that. sense. If Vince is like, <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> he just throws a pie. <laughs> Oh, uh, so Rowan does not last very wrong. Number four, Robert Roode, F5, eliminated. He yeah. lasted the longest at this point at a whopping 41 seconds. <laughs> I'm glad you had that metric because I did not. Elias technically lasted a little bit longer, but he the bell rang when he um when Brock went out and started fighting him. So in ring time, Bobby Roode lasted the longest at this point at a whopping 41 seconds. <laughs> number five was john morrison i really wish they saved his return for this match he returned on smackdown like two weeks before this i was like why why did you have to do that yeah that's kind of silly although yeah yeah i don't know it did, didn't really matter it didn't last long Eliminated. no bro john morrison was like what five seconds like he just got immediately thrown out love him too by the way absolutely very very good yeah, good hands. Uh, Brock is now hosting the belts in the ring. Uh, dominant waiting on number six. Who was Kofi Kingston? I love this because this was like, this showed that Brock was not only going to kill people, though. This He was also going to have an awesome storyline. And this started the storyline of the next three entrants of all being people that Brock has wronged and that all wanted revenge on him. And this was awesome. Kofi came out because... It was like, what, four months before this, maybe three, that Kofi got beaten in like eight seconds by Brock to lose his WWE title. Right, on an episode. I want to say it was like October of that year. I remember uh, it was the middle of October because it was like right as – it was the anniversary of SmackDown, but it was also their move to Fox. So it was a lot happening on that episode. Um, But I remember staying up for it because it was a really big deal. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Kofi is the first person in this match to get any offense in whatsoever on uh, on Mr. Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Does not get eliminated by the time the next entrant comes out. Who is Ray Mysterio? Yes, Mr. Ronald Mysterious. He had um had Ronald Mysterious. Of- <laughs> That's a <laughs> That's a reference to a YouTuber I watch. Uh, the guys over at Cultaholic. But um, so Rey Mysterio and Brock, they did that thing a couple months before this where uh, Brock just for some reason decided he really didn't like Rey Mysterio's kids. So he killed him on a random episode of Raw. And then Rey was like, I don't think Rey was like, hey, man, that's that's my kid. And then that started their feud leading to the really weird Cain Velasquez thing where they had uh, to oh. wash yeah. a Saudi 
Um, and then they had it was Brock and Ray at Survivor Series, which was actually an excellent match that Brock obviously won. But it was just it was a really it was a short but really really weird feud. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number eight was Big E. Big E comes Another out. Who- yeah, now we got a three on one situation for Mister Brocky. Yeah. Uh, so they hit Trouble in Paradise, big ending, and the six one night back to back to back on Brock. Yeah, and according to uh, Michael Cole at this time, Brock Lesnar was stag, 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 staggering, stag, 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 staggering. It was really funny. He was like Brock's trying st- to save. He was trying to say the word staggering, and he was staggering himself as he was saying it. It was really, really funny. Irony is a bitch sometimes. It uh, really is. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. Uh, Brock Brock does an awesome job of selling the, the staggering. Like Brock the matches against Goldberg and stuff where he looks confused and very, uh, you know, out of it. Maybe lethargic, if you will. I don't know. but uh, yeah. But yeah, this didn't last long. Brock rebuttals. Eliminates Mysterio, eliminates Big E for number six on the night. Yeah, and then he eventually got Kofi out in a very heartbreaking moment, but it was a really, it was just a really cool spot. And Brock showed that he's gonna like still look like a monster, but there was some storyline behind this, and I loved it so much. Absolutely. And entrant number nine was Cesaro, the artist formerly known as Antonio Cesaro, now known as Claudio. Current, I believe, two-time Ring of Honor World Champion. Two-time, two-time, two-time. Uh, unfortunately, uh, this Three night was not his night. He is eliminated very quickly. I understand why they did this, but I feel like, you know, at the, they could have given Cesaro a cut. Like, can you imagine just even a couple minutes of Brock Lesnar and Cesaro just, like, hitting each other? I think that'd be re- I'd watch that. I'd definitely watch that. You know what I would have loved to have seen for a spot, and I highly doubt they did this because I feel like we would remember it, was if he did the swing on Brock. Oh, I feel, oh there's no way because, yeah, you, we definitely would have remembered that. That would have been awesome. Yeah, no, that would have been kind of cool to have maybe him at least get something like that in. I feel like that would have been a nice little spot to have. A little crowd yeah. pop, a little cheap pop. <clears throat> Number 10, Shelton Benjamin and... Uh, I think a lot of us knew this. Uh, Shelton and and Brock uh, were both wrestlers in college uh, together. Uh, Pop quiz: What was their tag team name? Because I know what it is. In uh, OVW. Uh, yeah, they had a tag team name, and they I believe they won the tag titles there too. And it was a comically stupid tag team name. Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> no, not Ben and Jerry's. Brock Lesnar and Chilton Benjamin were known as the Minnesota Stretching Crew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so funny. That was I loved that so much. God, I hope that wasn't a Jim Cornette idea. I have too much respect for Jim Cornette to accept that. <laughs> <laughs> the Minnesota Stretching Crew. That's a deal breaker for Jimmy right there. If it was, I doubt it was, though. <laughs> No, yeah, probably not. Um, so there was a little, they, Brock pretended to have a little bit of friendship with Shelton as uh, Shelton Benjamin enters the ring in what I want to call a hug-suplex combo. <laughs> yeah, that did not last too long. 
No, Shelton Stay was short-lived for elimination number nine for Mr. Lesnar. Yes. Number 11 was Shinsuke Nakamura, who won this event two years prior to this, uh, with Sami Zayn, who was... uh, who was with Nakamura at the time. You forget about that. God, Sam- can I just really quickly say God bless Triple H for making Sami Zayn what he is today? Because holy crap, man. He is yeah. so good. And he was there was a good few months where he was literally just a manager for Shinsuke Nakamura. He wasn't injured. He didn't have any travel issues. He was an active wrestler. And they were using him as a manager. Oh my God, it still pisses me off to this day. Yeah, no, that was that was kind of a sad time for him. But you kind of forget about it because of where he is now, right? Yeah, he's the best thing in wrestling now. Best thing since sliced bread, homie. It really uh, is. But as far as Shinsuke Nakamura's day went, uh, didn't go so well. Quickly eliminated. Yeah. That's Number- another guy, though. I, that's another guy, Nakamura. I would have just loved to see him and Brock tie it up for just a couple minutes. Not doesn't have to be an hour. Just like give him a couple minutes. That would have been cool. Yeah, sure. I'm not the biggest Nakamura fan. It's just not my. Really? I don't know. I just. Uh, but big... I have a lot of respect for him too. And, yeah, and I'm but... a very big fan of like the Japanese strong style, which is like why I've recently got more into New Japan. Oh, by the way, off topic. I uh, no, I have not. I've seen very few go in Japan. Out, go out of your way. They just fought like a week ago and go out of your way to find that match. Holy crap, that was good. Well, well, I have to go. Uh, I'm not sure. I looked it up just online, full match, and I found it there. So I just watched it and it was just, oh, it was exceptional. Awesome. Like YouTube, YouTube or Google or. I just literally Googled, like, Will Ospreay, Kenny Omega, Wrestle Kingdom, full match, and I found it, and it was, oh my god, it was so good. Nice, no kidding. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I'm sure Meltzer gave it 20 stars. (laughs) He gave it six and a half, I think. Oh my, dude, here's my thing with Meltzer, and I get it, that's kind of his thing, right, but... When he gave Shawn Michaels an Undertaker from WrestleMania 25, four and three quarters, not even five. I, yeah. But yeah, everything that includes Osprey and Omega and uh, Okada and whoever. Tokyo Dome. Seven stars. It's like, what? What? What what are you smoking, dude? Because I want some. So, (laughs) (laughs) number 12 uh, was a returning MVP. Which yeah, was kind of cool. shocking, right? It's really cool to see that, like, I wasn't at all expecting um, MVP to come back. And when he came back, I didn't really think anything of it. I was just kind of like, oh, he'll do a couple cool things. But little did we know, him coming back would lead to the career resurgence of Bobby Lashley. Sure, yeah. No, uh, there was a lot of good. I, From what I remember reading, again, three years ago, that there was no plan on keeping MVP around is somehow that just naturally happened where they kept him around backstage and he started working with Bobby and, and it was kind of onward and yeah. upward there. What yeah, I liked yeah. about, um, I thought was funny. I, I really like MVP's theme song and they got kind of, you know, they're showing him walking and they cut to Brock in the ring dancing. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. That was really I thought cool. was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, I love- so MVP returns. He got a little bit of offense in on Brock, actually, but uh, he wound up falling victim number eleven to to Brock here. 
Yeah, he he did good for the couple like the thirty seconds he was in, but he got thrown out fairly quickly. Yes, he did. Uh, number thirteen was Keith Lee. Uh, oh, oh NXT at the time, oh, and he he was the current North American champ as well. Yeah, I believe he had just won the belt like very very recently before this, and it was really oh, I love Keith Lee. I love Keith Lee so much. He is my favorite wrestler, literally ever. No, not actually, but I love Keith Lee. A lot. <laughs> I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. You retorted on that very quickly. Well, I uh, knew that the IWC would just come after me for that one. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> I like that AEW picked him up. I think he's a great addition to their roster. However, what the hell are they doing with him? I was just going to say, I think that it's good that he's on their roster. But, dude, we can't give him a little bit more. Like, I get it. The swerve thing was cool. But... If they're not going to do the Swerve feud for some reason, then just give him something. Put him against Samoa Joe. Like, let them smack beef for a little bit while. I don't know. Throw him in Ring of Honor, I guess. I don't know. Do something. He is just too good to be wasted again. Yeah. Yeah, which is too bad. Hopefully, they start booking him a little cleaner um, over there. But anyways, uh, uh, now notable size-up matchup for Brock with Keith Lee entering... um, this matchup and Lee drops Brock pretty early. And now uh, Braun Strowman winds up being entrant number 14. Now we got some size in the ring, which makes it fun. Now it's a little different. We saw in the first uh, 12 entrants, the domination of Brock, but now we're starting to, things are starting to heat up a little bit, which makes it interesting. Yeah. The entrance of Keith Lee was the beginning of the end for Brock. Yeah. Uh, Strowman went to Suplex City, and then Lesnar eliminates both guys for number 12 and 13, which was kind of shocking. I'm a little... That that gave you a little tease that you're like, maybe he's going to shut out this match. I was a little... This was kind of the point I remember getting like, oh, if he wins... Because what I thought was going to happen was that it was going to be someone right around this time who came out and eliminated him. And, you know, I wasn't totally wrong. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, But... Brock looked really good in this match, but when he eliminated Keith Lee, I was a little bit upset that they didn't do a little bit more, but I really liked that Keith Lee took Brock off his feet. But when Brock did this, I was like, oh, God, this is this is it. Brock's winning. Absolutely. Uh, number 15, um, Ricochet is yeah, now. New- By the way, newly engaged Ricochet. Congrats on that. Congrats, Ricochet. I think you're okay. Good hand. Uh, he says ricochet ricochet survives an early onslaught from brock mcintyre uh is next number 16 um and now we're getting into a time period where we're starting to push drew mcintyre who was once cut from the company went to impact wrestling and god knows where else and made a everywhere he went to gcw he went to wcpw impact he made a name for himself he he worked. He really, really worked to get back to where he is today. He came back. He he gained uh, skills all around the board, though, right? From the first run. Yeah. He looked better. He looks he, a little thicker. Uh, got the little bit of distinguished chest hair going on. He's got the beard. His promos were better. Uh, puts on great matches. Uh, really a hell of a turnaround for who in... When did he debut? Like, 08, 09? 
uh, Drew must have been. I believe he was 07, and then it was in 08 where Vince brought him out and said he was the chosen one. The chosen one, right, yeah. And the, that only really led to a mediocre Intercontinental run at the time. Yeah, he did this. Yeah, so I just looked it up out of curiosity. He debuted in October of 2007, and then he became the chosen one in 2008. And it was really sad to see what they did with him because, like, he could have been really cool in his first run. But now that we look back, it's good that we waited because we now have the very, very talented Drew McIntyre as one of the top stars in wrestling, and I am happy for it. I am kind of happy 3MD happened, though. In a weird way, so am I. In a weird way, right? Two WWE champions. Yeah, yeah, well, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) I guess, but it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, I remember them. You know, it was kind of funny. It was kind of cool. Yeah. Um. So now the unthinkable happens. Oh, it's pro wrestling. Who would have thought? Uh, Lesnar gets low blowed by Ricochet and a claymored by McIntyre over the top rope ending Lesnar's night at 26 minutes, 23 seconds and 13 eliminations setting a record. If you will. Yeah. He woke, unless you count the greatest Royal rumble where he tied with Braun Strowman. I do not count the greatest Royal rumble. The greatest Royal rumble had about a hundred entrants and that's true to compare. Yeah, it really is. And then, so drew McIntyre, this led to a, massive, massive, massive standing ovation from the crowd, and I loved it so much. When Brock got eliminated, they lost their minds. It was awesome. The only thing that would have made it better, uh, they had a hell of a stare down after the elimination, is if if Drew actually used the Claymore on Brock. If he what? Used the sword, the Claymore. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just kills him right there. Then what that would have led to a little bit of a murder investigation, but it would have been a great Rumble memory. Hey, I'm just saying, you know, sometimes you're going to do <laughs> yeah. what you're going to do. And put, put the man down. Yeah. <laughs> Number 17 was The Miz. He lasted uh, 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah, so he's eliminated quickly. Number 18, the phenomenal AJ Styles. AJ Styles. Really- Care for AJ's gear in this match. I don't know. It was the red um, I didn't hate it. I think right around this time he was as part of the OC, I remember, and I didn't dislike the run with the OC. I just think it could have been a lot better. Yeah, they clearly when Vince was booking back at this period of time, I don't think he cared for Gallows and Anderson. I don't either, and I don't get it. Like Gallows is a really good big brute. He can also throw one hell of a big boo. But he's also he's a good in ring talent. But Carl Anderson, I think he's absolutely incredible. One of the most underrated wrestlers in the world. I love love Carl Anderson. Absolutely underrated, uh, yeah. no no doubt. Uh, Dolph Ziggler was entrant number nineteen. I'm going to say this about Dolph. Actually, overall in his career, he's had solid runs in Royal Rumble matches. Dolph Ziggler has entered, I believe, I'm just going to look it up just to be exact so that any viewers of this don't, you know, attack me. I believe he's entered every single Royal Rumble, 2009, and all the way up to current day. And he's been, off the top of my head, I can't, but he's... I mean, he's had rumbles where he's lasted a while. He's always usually in it till uh, you get close to the end. Yeah. 
he always seems to be a player in the Royal Rumble match. Yeah, Dolph Ziggler, he's just like, he's just an excellent talent. I'm a huge, huge fan of his. I think he's a great in-ring performer. I think he's impeccable on the mic when he tries. I think that in the ring, he's really good. I'm a huge fan of his. And he's just been that, He's even though they don't use him enough, he's always been this good. And I would love to see him just get a little bit of something before he's done. Yeah, absolutely. At this point, I don't see them doing anything super significant with him. Yeah. But it which is too bad. But no, you're right. I think he's a guy and he is a former world champion and he's been in big matches and he's had great matches. He's done a lot of good things. So uh, I'd love to see Ziggler do. I think him and Gunther would be a very interesting match right there for that IC title. I just I just honestly this is just the fanboy in me talking. I want to see Dolph Ziggler sell one a, a chop from Gunther. I think that would be so good. Ziggler sells great. I think my, my favorite spear from Goldberg of all time was that SummerSlam match against Ziggler. <laughs> I forgot about their SummerSlam match. It was either, uh, well, as far as the spear went, it was um, either that one or I think it was the 04 Rumble. Goldberg got Nunzio, if anybody remembers Nunzio. Oh, he colleened his friggin' clock. It was brutal, man. Yeah. Um, number 20 was Carl Anderson. We're starting to fill up now. We're starting to get people into the ring. It was uh, a lot of looking at Brock for a while. Yeah. Carl Anderson next. Number 21. Oh, my goodness. On this day, I see clearly. Number 21, the rated R, and I'm going to voice crack in honor of Tony Chimble, superstar. You do a good impression of that. (laughs) This was one of the loudest pops I've ever heard. Oh, this pop was just incredible. And honestly, even though I personally prefer, until CM Punk came back the next year, this was my all-time favorite wrestling return. I loved this so much. This was just, it wasn't just the return of Edge, even though that was awesome. It was just the spectacle. The crowd lost their mind. Edge came out, he was running and he was going crazy at first, but then he just kind of like, he just stopped and like looked like he was on the brink of tears because he was just so overwhelmed and happy that he was back. He did his pose. He hit a spear on Ziggler who sold it great. Cause of course he did. And edge was just edge coming back was just a absolutely fantastic moment done to perfection. I have uh, one more thing about the pop that he got. What was so impressive about it was this was in a baseball stadium. Yeah. Where really the noise isn't uh, in the big arena it, it you know it releases a sound more than in a smaller like regular um, arena that they would go to, yeah, uh, which was effing impressive, right? Very edge. Which, edge is just that big of a deal, honestly. Comes in Spear Spear City, number twenty two. We see King Corbin enter uh, second time on the show. Uh, enters the Rumble. Uh, AJ Style was then eliminated by Edge at this point. It was kind of like an awkward elimination, like Edge speared him and then AJ. Like, we now have hindsight where we know that AJ Styles got injured in this. Thankfully, he wasn't out long, and he still did the Undertaker program leading into Mania. Um, But I love this Edge and AJ face-off here. Uh, As we sit in 2023, they've had, what, three matches, I think? And all of them were great because it's Edge and AJ Styles. But this was a cool little tease. Absolutely. Number 23 was Matt Riddle from NXT. This was, I think, 
one of the only things I disliked about this rumble, Matt Riddle coming out to almost immediately being eliminated by King Corbin. Oh, this pissed me off. This pissed me off quite greatly. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, and I noticed, too, at the time, Riddle was wearing, like, because uh, most people know that he was an MMA fighter beforehand, and his uh, attire was MMA trunks. Yeah. Essentially. I, I'm kind of glad they've tweaked it a bit. Um because it's like, I don't know, it's uh, MMA is MMA, pro wrestling is pro wrestling. With yeah. Brock, I understood because Brock, was, with the fight shorts, uh, because Brock was a super notable name in the UFC. So when he came back in 2012, that made a lot of sense. Yeah, uh, yeah anyways, so this is a little thing I picked up on. But Carl um, Anderson gets back up with Luke Gallows being number 24. And... Shortly after this, McIntyre eliminates Corbin. In and out goes Corbin. Thank you. Have a good one, Mr. Number 25 left us hearing voices in our head. Randy Orton comes down. Always a threat to win the Rumble. I'd love to see him come back. and not. I don't know about win, but I'd love to see him come back this year. I've heard rumors that that is not going to happen, but I'd love to see it still. Do you know what's going? I've heard potential retirement rumors on Mr. Orton. No, oh, sad. If he had to retire, I think his last run was great. His RK Bro stuff was just excellent. But uh, from what I've heard, he's getting back surgery, and it's highly possible that he's not going to be able to come back after this. But if he did, if he is not able to come back, then he had a great career. His last run with RK Bro was impeccable. Absolutely. There's no denying the Hall of Fame status on the on the man. Yeah. He comes in RKO's the OC. He uh him and Edge have a little bit of a reunion and eliminate the OC. Yep. Uh rated RKO, if you will. Rated. Number 26, the big dog, Roman Reigns makes his appearance. Uh, Reigns eliminates Ziggler. Ziggler in and out. It's too bad for the Dolph man. It's all right. I'm still pulling for him to win this year's Rumble. Keep on pulling, baby. <laughs> number, number 27, uh, Kevin Owens enters, stuns Roman. I think this is about when he was really hitting it off with a stunner. Am I right? Yeah, it was. It must have been around this time because I remember he introduced it. Kind of, I could be wrong about this, but I think he introduced it like as he started to like in early of the year before, like it was twenty nineteen ish, where he started to use it, and then it really got big during his feud with Shane and us, uh, like summer of twenty nineteen. So I think that this was kind of where he started to make it his big finisher. He, if, correct me if I'm wrong. Did he, he before like a while ago? Uh, use the springboard stunner a bit. He did. I I believe he did. Yeah, I remember. I know he's used a, a variation of the stunner before, um, but I'm not sure if it was springboard, but I know he's used some moves like that before. Mm. Number 28 was Alistair Black, who, man, I, I can't believe they really, it was a while after this, but they really gave up on the man. <laughs> they really did. It's so sad. It's, he it's, isn't impeccable performer oh my god super i think he he, he's great with the character but he also backs it up in the ring and i think they unless there's you know there's a lot of backstage politics that you and i don't know about right but yeah i can't believe uh they let him go 
it's yeah. kind of crazy. And even now that he's in AEW, like he really hasn't been used in AEW to his level either. He's just he is such a good performer. He could genuinely be the face of a company. He is so good. Yeah, definitely misused. But he got a good spot, number 28. Number 29, another eight current AEW uh, star, Samoa Joe. Our uh, television champion. I love Samoa Joe. I almost sent you a video. I was cranking through YouTube the other day, and I love uh, the walk-off. Like, somebody would be coming off the top rope, and he just walked <laughs> Yeah. Off. He, he did that so much in Impact. And, he uh, did in Impact, and he just did it again with Darby Allen a couple weeks ago, and it was oh so good. I apologize. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, anyways, Joe comes out. Number 30, last but not least, the Monday Night Messiah, Seth Rollins, with AOP and Buddy Murphy. Now this turned into funny straight. Now, but kind of funny seeing Buddy Murphy. Kind of, he was going after Aleister Black in this match, and now they're members of the House of Black together, along with Brody King and Julia Hart. Right. Um, th- this just led to absolute mass chaos. Now, obviously, we know you have to be eliminated by going over the top rope, but people were going under the ropes and over the top, and nobody kind of knew what was going on because KO and Samoa Joe wind up outside of the ring, fight Rollins. Rollins' uh, uh, stable is attacking people left and right, and... Uh, mass chaos yeah mass chaos mass chaos but uh edge and orton get drug out of the ring uh ko eventually stuns seth rollins and throws him out aop catch him throw him back in again confusion a lot of bodies all over the place uh rollins eliminates ko with the help of the aop um buddy murphy interferes on joe Seth eliminates Joe and they kind of this ends with them just brawling away. <laughs> yeah, it was it was kind of a cool spot though cuz I think it was good. If the AOP and Buddy Murphy had stayed out for too long, I think it would have made it a little bit overkill, but I think it was cool that after Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe got eliminated, they thought, "All right, well, I'm just going to make sure that you don't win by taking away the reasons that you that were out." So they kind of brawled away with Murphy and the AOP, leading to Seth taking everybody's finishers. He took Roman, Edge, Randy, Drew, and then he eventually got thrown out. Yeah. So so there's that. Leaving the final five with uh I think I got a okay, yeah, I got a little ahead of myself on the Rollins elimination there. Rollins, Reigns, McIntyre, Edge, and Orton, right? So they team up on Rollins. Rollins is the really the only heel left in this. Yep. Uh technically McIntyre, I'm sorry, was the one that eliminated Rollins. Yes. Uh Edge eliminates Randy Orton, a little which is kind of funny. Um, Edge kind of carried on the face role, um, but he was the one that turned on Randy. He just do. I liked it though because I think he was still presenting as a face, and it gave more reasoning for when Randy Orton would go on to turn heel on Edge a month later. Or Very not, true. Not, not a month later, the night, a night later on Raw, and leading to their excellent, excellent feud. They're to be fair, mediocre WrestleMania match, but their feud was just immaculate. Edge and Orton. Yeah, well, the uh, the greatest match ever, right? Yeah, the, I don't they... think it was the greatest match ever, but I will be honest, their match at Backlash was really, really good. Yeah, yeah, very good. Great chemistry. 
Yeah, their match at Mania, I was not a fan of, but their match at Backlash was oh so good, so so good. I I wish so bad that it had taken place in front of a live crowd. Yeah, that was such a buzzkill. Yeah, 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 yeah. Roman uh, was well, Edge and Roman trade spears, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. But Roman got the best of Edge, uh, spoiling the party on the Edge return. So now we're down to Roman McIntyre. And that's kind of where I think, you know, as a wrestling fan, you think, well, you're thinking, obviously, they're giving it to Roman, right? But Drew spoiled the party for Brock. Well, now what's going to happen here? And at the end of the day, McIntyre hits the Claymore and uh, gets the best of Roman to win the 2020 Rumble. Oh, this was such a good moment because I remember at the time, even though I was a fan of Roman, I still remember so much rooting for Drew McIntyre to win this match. And when he finally did, I lost my mind. The crowd lost their mind. Everyone was so happy to see Drew finally get a well-deserved push. He won the Rumble. He would go on to fight Brock Lesnar, sadly, in front of nobody, but he did dethrone Brock to become WWE champion. And it was a great moment to cap off a fantastic Royal Rumble match. Absolutely. I uh, I think the right man won the match. It's unfortunate for Drew that he's never won a world title in front of fans. <laughs> I know. I was really hoping he'd get that moment earlier this year against Roman, but sadly that was not the case. At the Clash at the Castle, yeah. But unfortunately, we got to see Roman retain... And Tyson Fury jump into the ring and they sang bye-bye Miss American Pie to celebrate the loss. I know. It was so weird. It was an awkward moment. The biggest match of his career in front of his home nation. And he decides to sing because of it. It was just, oh, so weird. It was so, so weird. Yeah, that was, that was, yeah, it is what it is. (laughs) Yeah. But no, it, this has been fun. Uh, I think, well, I, I definitely my favorite time of the year, my favorite pay-per-view event being the Rumble. So uh, I appreciate it, Mr. Coleman, coming on with me today. Um, yes, of course. Thanks for having me. Coming up soon, I will have uh, another guest we haven't had on in a while. Uh, Derek will be coming in and we will be doing... Uh, 2007 Royal Rumble. We plan on hitting 96, doing a preview show. We're going to start firing some stuff off. So, uh, tis the season. And uh, we appreciate everybody for listening. And uh, hope you have a great rest of your whatever until the Rumble. We're going to keep going. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Coleman, uh, I noticed you haven't really been too active on TikTok lately, but uh, we're no, in the season, man. We got to get doing it. Yeah. With the rumble season, I'm probably going to be doing a little bit more. But yeah, yeah. you better. You better. Yeah, I will. I will. All right. Thanks again, everybody. Thanks for listening. And until next time.